to introduce Anjanette, my amazing sister in Christ. So give her a big round of applause. Hi, everyone. I'm Anjanette. It's raining tonight, so I'll be loud. Turn on my teacher voice. Not really. Okay, tonight is lesson five, turn. We'll start with principle three. Consciously, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek, Matthew 5, 5. Step three, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in, the view, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, Romans 12, 1. When you choose to live this principle, you consciously choose to commit all your life and your will to Christ's care and control. And so tonight we're going to find out how to do that. How do you turn your life and your will over to Jesus Christ? Our acrostic for tonight is turn, trust, understand, repent, new life. So you see the step ends with new life but you must first take three actions before that life can be yours. You must trust, understand, and repent. So first, let's talk about trust. Around here, we have curvy back roads that have a lot of tractors and machinery and things like that. We've all gotten behind one before, right? And you'll be driving along, and all of a sudden, the guy will stick his arm out for you to go on around. Actually, this arm. Don't go that way. This arm. <laughs> And you just go, right? You trust. Even though you can't see, you just go right around that tractor or that big piece of equipment. And so every day we're putting our trust in a total stranger, not every day with that particular example, but, um, but we do trust our lives with strangers every day when we come to a four-way stop or an intersection. We're hoping that the person is going to stop. And what about when you eat out at a fast food restaurant? You're trusting the person that's making your food. So we do every day put our trust in other people. So if we can put our trust in other people, why don't we put our trust in God and Jesus? Um, why is that so hard for us? Jesus' eyes are always on us. I don't know about you, but I would rather walk with God in the darkest valley than to walk alone or with a stranger in the light. I've heard Pastor Melvin describe it often um, like a parade. If you can imagine our life like a parade, Jesus is in heaven. He sees the entire parade from the beginning to the end, but all we see is right here, right now. And um, in principle three, you make the one-time decision to turn your life over to the care of God. It's a choice. It's your choice. It's not by chance that determines your destiny, and that decision only requires trust, putting your faith into action. But what is faith? Faith is not a sense, sight, or reason. Faith is simply taking God at his word. And God's word in Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you declare with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you can trust the tractor driver, 
how much more can you trust God who sees all from the beginning to the end? For some people, that may just sound way too simple. They want to make salvation much more difficult. But it isn't. Our salvation, thank God, depends on God's love for us, not our love for him. After you have decided to trust, the next step is understand. After you make the decision to ask Jesus into your life, you need to begin to seek his will for your life in all your decisions You need to get to know and understand him and what he wants for your life. The old understandings, the old hurts, the old hang-ups that we have, those are stripped away, and that creates a void, and that's where grace flows in and allows something new to fill us, new understandings and new insights. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, our understanding is earthbound. It's human to the core. It's limited. We operate in a dimension totally unlike that of our Lord. He knows no such limitations. We see the right now. God sees the forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13. This is a little bit um, modified. Um, that verse tell, this verse tells us that someday when we see Jesus face to face, we will have full understanding. Um, for our gifts of knowledge are only partial, but when what is perfect comes, then what is partial will disappear. What we see now is like the dim image in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. What I know now is only partial. Then it will be complete as complete as God's knowledge of me, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13. The fog of interpretation will be lifted, and our understanding understanding will be perfect someday. That'll be an awesome day. So praise God that we do not need a perfect understanding of him to ask Jesus into our lives as our Lord. Why? Because God does not lead you year by year, not even day by day, God directs your way step by step. The third letter in our acrostic, R, stands for repent. Some people repent of their sins by thanking the Lord that they aren't half as bad as their neighbors. I think we all do that. But that's not really true repentance. Repentance is how you begin to enjoy the freedom of your living relationship with God. True repentance affects our whole person and and changes our entire view of life. Repentance is to take God's point of view on our lives instead of our own point of view. To truly repent, you need to do two things. First, turn away from your sins. And second, turn toward God. And the Bible has much to say about repentance. I'm going to share a few verses. Mark 1.15, turn from your sins and act on this glorious news. Ezekiel 18, 30, and 31. Repent, turn away from all of your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Romans 12, 2. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. 
It seems that most people repent of their sins more from a fear of punishment than from a real change of heart. But repentance is not self-loathing. It is God-loving. That's the way it should be. God isn't looking forward to punishing you. Um, I added my own verse in here, John 3, 16 and 17, because this made me think of that. John 3, 16 and 17 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come here to condemn us. He came here to save us. Um, He is eagerly anticipating with open arms your turning toward him. Then, when you have chosen to turn your sin toward him, he will joyously give to you what the last letter in tonight's acrostic stands for, new life. The new life that you will receive is the result of taking the three actions that we just covered, trusting, understanding, and repenting. So I've been studying in Ezra recently, so you always get to hear what I've been studying when I do this because God just has a way of doing that. He, like, says, oh, look, this goes right with your lesson. (laughs) So in Ezra 1, there's the Israelites who have been in captivity for 70 years. They were taken away from their land and taken to Babylonia, and for 70 years, they've just been... Um, being punished, basically, because they hadn't been living like they were supposed to be living, and they had turned, their, turned away from God. And in Ezra 1, um, it tells us that there was a group of people, a group of Israelites, whose spirit God stirred to go. And I love that part because God stirs our spirit as well. He stirs our spirit to turn towards him. In that verse, um, there was a group of people whose spirit was turned, um, stirred to go, and they listened, and they responded, and he is sending them back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed, and in Ezra 2, I just put a little bit of Ezra 2 up there, but So if you've been reading along in the Bible before and you get to the part that's just people's name after name after name after name and you're like, really, why is this in here? Well, not only are these people's names in here in Ezra, they're also in Jeremiah, the same people. They're in the Bible twice. Their name is just listed and listed. And why? But those people right there, they, their hearts were stirred and they listened and they responded and their names are in the Bible twice. And the Bible tells us in Luke ten twenty, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. If you have a new life, your name is registered in heaven. If you've said yes to God, your name is registered in heaven. Also, um, the people, they were identified by their credentials. You see the family of, later on it talks about um, some of them, maybe what their jobs were. Um, they had credentials. Just like their credentials and God had a place for them, God still has an inheritance waiting for his people, an inheritance of eternal life with him. He still writes down the names of those who say yes to his call. The moment we say yes, he writes down our name in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is the proof of our citizenship. 
We are covered by the blood of Jesus, says Ephesians 1.7. We are his, and he is ours. Psalms 95.7 tells us, For he is our God, we are the people he watches over. I like to think about that parade again. After you ask Jesus into your heart, you will have a new life. You will no longer be bound to your old sinful nature. You will receive a new loving nature dwelling within you from Christ. God has declared you not guilty, and you will no longer have to live under the power of sin. Romans 3.22 says it well. Now God says, he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty, if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, when anyone is joined in Christ, he is a new being, the old is gone, the new has come. In our past, um, the old you might have said, save your life, but the new you says, you must lose your life to keep it, Mark 8.35. The old you would say, get, 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 and the new you says, give, and it will be given to you, Luke 6.38. The old you will say, lead at all cost, and the new you says, serve others, John 13.12. The old you would say, lie, the truth only complicates things. And the new you says, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.29. The old you says, hate your enemy. And the new you says, love your enemy, Matthew 5.44. So again, the principle, the um, turn in principle three includes three very important actions that lead to a new life in Christ. Trusting, understanding, repenting. The good news is, turning your life over to Christ is a once-in-a-lifetime commitment. Ephesians 1.13, this is from the message. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The rest of the principle, however, turning your will over to him, requires a daily recommitment. You can begin by going to your Bible regularly, opening it prayerfully, reading it expectantly, and living it joyfully. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I encourage you to do so this evening. What are you waiting for, right? So um, I'm going to pray a prayer tonight. Um, After I pray this this prayer with you, um, if anybody would want to talk to me, or um, Martha, or Karen, um, we would be more than glad, any ladies that would want to talk to us, as well as uh, men, if there's Chuck, there's Caleb, there's Curtis, um, if anyone would like more information about accepting Christ as your Savior, or helping you understand the thoughts about turn this evening, um, we would love to do that with you. Um, pray with me. Dear God, I have tried to do it all by myself, on my own power, and I have failed. Today, I want to turn my life over to you. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. You are the one and only higher power. I ask that you help me think less about me and my will. I want to daily turn my will over to you, to daily seek your direction and wisdom for my life. Please continue to help me overcome my hurts, hang-ups, and habits, that victory over them may help others as they see your power at work in changing my life. 
Help me to do your will always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you just stand with me and we'll say the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the simple world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Curtis, coming up with the chip.